I swear to goodness, the one time I have everything ready to go. Technical difficulties. <laughs> Thank you for joining the Escape With Me book club. Escape with me, Sam Reiner. And me, Danielle. Into our most recent read, come with us as we evade reality and go into detail about a new book. We'll be covering the book from beginning to end, so there will be spoilers. Today we're going to New Beijing and the Eastern Commonwealth, published on January 3rd, 2012. Cinder is the first book in the Lunar Chronicles series. Cinder is a gifted mechanic in a world of plague, overcrowding, and rumors of war. And on top of all that, she's a second-class citizen as a cyborg. This futuristic retelling of the story of Cinderella is rather beloved, but does it do the legwork to be worth the hype? Get it? Legwork. I do. I do get it. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have a leg, guys. She's a cyborg. Without a leg. It's actually very sad. It made me very angry. She didn't have a leg? Yes, but we'll get to there. So this is a you pick. This is my favorite series in the whole world, I think. I've read it five or six times. Audiobooked it three times. I mean, you could say the same thing about the Ugly series. But the Ugly series was childhood. I found that as a preteen. I was a fully grown adult that found this series and love. Yeah, a lot of people around me either want to read the series or have liked it. But I don't think I heard about it until we became roommates and you were reading it for a book club that you were trying to start that did not pan out. Welcome to my book club, where I will force you to read books and then talk about them for the internet. I recommend this series to everybody. Cinderella, Cyborg, YA. It's a big mix of stuff that not everybody's into. So you are only the second person that I've ever got to actually read this book. And the other one was a hater. What is there to hate? That kind of gives away my personal feelings on it. But I mean, I'd give this to my husband, who's a very serious English professor, dystopian, can tell you the difference difference between transhumanism and posthumanism. I'd give this to him. I have no qualms with that. It's a good book. Yeah, I have so much love for this book. So honestly, if you don't love it, if you don't at least respect it enough to be like three stars, anything less than three, I don't trust you. It's obviously a five star, guys. <laughs> I'm just saying. So age level is definitely a YA. The content warning, though, let's do this. Racism, terminal illness, emotional and verbal abuse, kidnapping, death of a parent, suicide mentioned, language PG-13, blood, medical gore, needles, self-harm, and almost suicide. The book doesn't feel as dark as the paragraph makes it out to be, except for the emotional and verbal abuse. That was a lot. Which Cinderella, you go in knowing she's not treated well. Everything bad's going to happen to this girl. Yeah, but I've read plenty of adaptations where it's like, okay, I don't like the stepmom, but this one, I hated her. Every time she popped up, I was so mad. The author does it too well, is all I'm going to say. No, she does a good job at keeping them hateable. There are a few moments, because it's a full series, there are a few moments where it's like, oh, you can see a tiny bit of where she's coming from, but she's never humanized enough to be like, wow, she was right for treating Cinder this way. Oh, never. Bad stuff happened to her life. She's dealing with her own stuff, but uncalled for completely. That doesn't give her a license to abuse somebody else because she's abusive and that's just what it is. So judge a book by its cover. It's Robot Cinderella. <laughs> 
exactly what it says it should be. It's pretty on point. Although it did make me think she was going to have a godmother moment where she got a skin grafted leg and that did not happen. So technically the cover is a lie. She almost did. That leg is a lie. She did get a leg though. So is that shoe. I don't know where that shoe came from, why it had to be red. But I mean, it kind of stands out. It looks nice on the cover, but... I don't think she wore a red shoe to the ball. Nope. She also did not have a skin grafted leg. I feel lied to. Yeah. Because even at the end, when she does get a new leg... It's not even skin grafted. It's a lie. Hmm. The cover lies to you and also tells you exactly what you need to know. I am torn. That's great and terrible. And then I've seen another one where I think it's Cinder like on a roof and it's kind of really anime style with a lot of pinks and blacks. I can't really make out what the heck is on this cover, actually. I like the shoe one better. I think that gives you more idea what it is. That's the main one, I think. The other one does definitely give more vibes of, hey, this is going to be an Asian adaptation and not just Cinderella. Which also, I'm still unclear. Is Cinder Asian? Because I know the princess. Well, she's lunar. Spoilers, guys. Yeah, I don't know what that means ethnically, because theoretically they came from Earth at some point and they broke apart and then they're a lunar colony. I'm making all of this up from my understanding of what it would be that it might go into more world building later. But from my understanding was a lunar colony of people that went from Earth to the moon and somehow that gave them magic powers. So I don't know what that means ethnically for them if they have developed their own ethnicity, because the queen able to tell in just one glance that she's lunar. So I do not know what that means. But the prince, on the other hand, who's around lunars, couldn't tell. So I really don't know. Maybe she just has an aura that the queen can pick up that they can't. I do not know what Cinder is. What did they describe her as? So they actually don't say anything unless I totally missed it in this book. But all I got was she's 16 and she has a straight body type. She's a cyborg and it's her left hand but not not her left thumb, and one of her legs. I don't know which leg. So I don't know what she looks like. Maybe there's stuff in later books that describe her, but they don't ever make it seem like she's out of place. But I don't know the ethnic backgrounds of New Beijing either. Okay, I googled it. She is naturally tan skin and straight brown hair below her shoulders, usually in a ponytail. That is not what the second cover shows, but maybe that's not Cinder then. I have no idea, because the other cover gave her black hair. So I do not know. Yeah. So she's Lunar. That's a big reveal, guys, if you haven't already read it. Yeah. She doesn't know, which is, I think, the best part. Yeah. Especially the first time I read this, I was like, oh my God, because she's hating on them because you are taught, hey, they're scary. They're terrible. We hate them. They're always doing bad to us. They're the other. And then she's like, oh my God, it's me. It's such a great moment for me because she's talking to the doctor who's like, yeah, you're also Lunar, so. Yeah. Because the setup is, oh no, there's this plague and it's so terrible. And so there's a plague outbreak at the market where she works. She works as a mechanic and she has a little stall and across the way they have an outbreak. And so she's like, oh no, could I get the outbreak? But she makes it home and she's feeling fine. She's like, okay, this is weird. Anyway, so she's looking for stuff in the scrapyard. Junkyard. Yeah. And they're like, okay, let's scrap for some metal. And so her little sister, Peony? Peony. Yeah. Like the flower. <laughs> Pearl and Peony are the stepsisters. 
first time ever. Peony is 12 or 13. She's a couple years younger than them. And she's so stinking cute. Uh, she's 14. 14. Yeah, she's a baby. She also has chestnut brown hair. So maybe that's just is how... I don't know. The They're from Europe because are that's they? where Cinder gets adopted from. Yeah, but are they from Europe or did he just happen to be in Europe and then come back to New Beijing? That's unclear, but they're white. Prince Kai is the only of the six main characters in this book. He's the only one that actually is Asian, to my understanding. I have no idea. Which is a little complicated because it takes place in the Eastern Commonwealth, which is China, I think. Yeah, New Beijing, because it hints at Old Beijing, you know, China. So after World War Four, everyone was like, hey, let's not do it again. And the rest of the world was like, yeah, that sounds good. So they created this government structure where there's like six, eight of them, something really small. And so all of the Commonwealth is one thing, like the Eastern Commonwealth is one thing. And it's under Emperor, um, what's their last name? I did not write down his last name. Well, it becomes Emperor Kai. So they're under Emperor Kai and his whole family and whatever. And then he makes nice with the other people. And so you have like America... The American Federation, United Kingdom, the Australian something or other, Africa, I think was just like one. Okay. And then the European, I want to say their federation too. Alrighty. So we have the Prime Minister of the African Union. We have a President of the American Republic. We have a Governor General of Australia. They're still Australia. The Queen of the United Kingdom and the Prime Minister of the European Federation. Okay, yeah, I knew that one was a federation. I guess South America was like, nah. Unless maybe that's the American Republic, because they're saying North and South America got together. That's what I assumed, because I definitely forgot about South America. That's the government structure right now. And then you have Lunar, like the Lunar Civilization, which is what this series is named after. I was always like, why is this the Lunar Chronicles? That makes no sense. And it's because their lunar exists, except the queen is terrible, the worst person in the world, but she has brainwashing magic that she can use even on her own people. The heck? So no one actually does anything, and she has a really good army because of it, so she could totally just take over the world, but for some reason, I still do not understand. She is obsessed with the idea of marrying the emperor of the Eastern Commonwealth, and they make it sound like, hey, we're doing this because she wants a place to start. Basically, oh, I have an Earth portion, and now I'm going to wage war against the rest of Earth. Why doesn't she just go for the weakest colony? and take them over and then be like, okay, I'm going to take the rest of you down. Why is she putting up with Earth people? She hates them. I don't understand. What is this plan? So a little bit of it is just because it's easier if you are infiltrating from inside. So by marrying him, she gets access. But also, and I don't know which book it's explained in. Not this one. Not this one. So the lunar monarchy, whatever, is based on not, oh, God anointed us, but somehow this family, their bloodline is magic and they're the only ones who can rule and they're very superstitious about it. But her husband is a king consort or will be. So Prince Kai or emperor, because he becomes an emperor in this one, his empress is empress. So if he dies, she's it. She's in charge. It does not go to 
anybody else, it goes to his wife. Yeah, exactly. But why don't you just call yourself an empress once you take over Earth? She has to start somewhere. Start at the weakest colony. Just take over. Because that's the thing. They're like, oh, if she doesn't marry you, she could totally just take on the entirety of Earth altogether. I'm like, then do it. Why are you doing this whole political nonsense and dealing with this dude that you're like, yeah, I'm just planning on murdering you as soon as we get married. Is this like a narcissist drive to be like, haha, I can make you do what I want, Earthians. Now let me take you over. But it's just, it's dumb. Bruh, just do it. It's just romantic tension. That's all it is. It's a power game and Jana lives for it. Clearly. She does it well. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, she definitely plays games. I'm actually very impressed. Well, and she originally was wanting to marry the father, Emperor, I want to say Riken. Is that, or was she wanting him to set up the arranged marriage of, hey, you're going to marry my only son? Because he had a wife, didn't he? She was dead. Oh, so she's just like, I'll marry whoever? I don't care. Because she was in negotiations with him, and then suddenly he falls ill with the plague. Oh no. And then she's like, oh, I guess I'm just gonna marry the son now. How convenient. Yeah. I thought it was assumed she was always trying to marry Kai. But, I mean, both make sense, honestly. She's just like, whoever, I don't care. Yeah, because most of the other leaders already were married, which she is not above killing a spouse. So if she had wanted a different country. But Kai is only, like, 19. He's a baby. Yeah, so the thing with that is they were like, oh, well, she doesn't have to just marry Kai, the world leaders. And then the closest they could come up with was the Queen of the United Kingdom has several children but it was like the third to the throne or something so it's like oh he would never become king he would just always be a prince and she wants to be an empress or a queen she's already a queen but she wants more on it and I'm just like there but come on I still think she could just take earth out and not have to deal with anyone that's what I would have done if she just went to war against earth and won we would not have these four books where clearly eventually she's going to come to a downfall actually I think there's more than four I think there's like seven now. There's a lot. But that's all I'm saying. Her downfall is her wanting to be sneaky and become an empress queen. And if she had just gone to war, I think she just would have won. None of this would be happening. None of these negotiations. I just, uh, girl, you foiled your own plot. My thing is she can't just take over the whole world. Why not? Her manipulation, she has to be there. Yeah, but it's her army. They're like, oh, her army could totally do this. And I'm guessing maybe they can't and that's why she's having to do this but if her army was so great that she could just go to war against Earth do it don't worry she might eventually (laughs) but by then not plot twist at all because I called it as soon as I knew she was lunar Cinderella is the only princess that can overthrow (laughs) I love it so much the queen no I'm serious as soon as he's like oh you're lunar I'm like cool so you're definitely the she's the chosen Air. She doesn't know this until the very, very end. She's aware that this person exists and she knows a bit about her and she knows that the emperor is looking for this person, but... The lost 
Princess Celine. And I also knew this. I also figured it out pretty quick because they're doing quote unquote cyborg drafts to get people to test vaccines because supposedly cyborgs are less human than I don't understand how we got there on that. But cyborgs are just second class citizens and everyone's like, oh, you're not human anymore. But you're the one who made me like this. Some of them, yeah, they signed up for it because it was like, hey, I was dying. Give me this artificial arm or fix my eyes or whatever. They needed medical procedures to make them cyborg. They weren't born this way. You're cyborg because you have to be. Yeah, but I'm thinking about even if we were doing an interpretation, because this is supposed to be many, many years in the future, we have people who need artificial limbs already. If they could change up to cyborg limbs, I can't imagine how we got to, oh, cyborgs aren't human. Anyway, that's not the important thing. The important thing is we're there already. I don't completely get it, but we're there. So that's the draft. And at the very beginning, his assistant's like, oh, you turn away every single male from the draft for like no reasons whatsoever. So she's like, what? You're being sexist, blah, 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 blah. And suddenly this teenage girl shows up and he's like really excited. And so I figured out pretty quick after it's like, oh, she's Lunar. She's the heir. I was like, oh, he's been looking for her. Yeah. He set up this entire cyborg draft just to try to find the heir princess. And he is marble-mouthing around the truth the entire time. It was so frustrating. Ah, could you not just tell... Even at the end, at the very end, she's in jail with the Lunars because stuff went down and we'll come back for that. But he shows up and he's like, hey, here are some limbs because she doesn't actually have good limbs. She has bad limbs that she got when she was 11, but now she's 16, so they're really bad. Also, she lost her foot at the ball. Guys, it's her shoe. She lost her foot. But they immediately picked it up and they already knew she was Cinder. Ah! Didn't have the chase of Cinderella. Well, didn't have the mystery afterwards. There was a chase. (laughs) So he's giving her an arm and a leg, literally. And he's like, hey, I'm going to Africa. You should go to Africa. And she's like, why? Why should I ever leave this place? I'm terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And he's just two pages of him dancing around it. And then he's like, oh, yeah. And by the way, you're the heir. And she's like, I'm the what? Yeah. He's like, you're the heir. See you in Africa. Bye. (laughs) He does dip out pretty quick. And I'm like, you are a troll, sir. You have all this information and you're just like, I'm going to trickle truth this for the maximum amount of drama that I can create. Yeah. Dr. Erland was something else. I love him now. Obviously, he's the godmother character. I love him. But at the same time, I'm like, bruh. All of this could have been solved. And in the beginning, you were like, hey. Here's some information. Because he warns her not to go to the ball. Because at this point, he thinks that she is the lost princess. So instead of being like, hey, you know what? Your aunt, who is a psychopath, who tried to murder you as a child, as a baby, might not take kindly to seeing you at the palace. But instead of saying any of that, he's like, yeah, she doesn't like shells, which shells are lunars that don't have gifts, which Cinder, because he told her, the doctor told her this, she's under the impression that she's a shell for a good chunk of this book, which is fine. She still thinks she's lunar as processing that stress. Yeah, but I'm not 100% sure why. He was like, hey, character development, you're a shell. He already knows she's not because he did the chip thing, and I don't understand his process. I mean, it draws the story out a little bit longer, lets Cinder simmer in each different emotion. 
he is a messy bench looking for maximum drama. That's all I can say about this man. Oh, yeah. He keeps secrets, even from himself. Why? Because then, of course, she's an idiot and immediately goes to the palace to deliver the android to the prince. And, of course... The queen sees her. Because she doesn't understand. He's like, oh, you can't be here. It's dangerous for you. And she's like, oh, okay, why? And he's like, oh, you're a shell. And she's like, oh, okay, I don't really understand this. And so she comes to the palace because she's like, oh, well, this is more important. But if she knew, hey, I am the only princess. I will be murdered. I will be hunted. Not only if I get murdered, my entire cause goes down. I think she would have stayed away from the palace because she had delivered the android because she was like, oh, it's super important that he gets this information about the lost heir so he knows that they exist. Girl, it's you. The irony. Oh. Dr. Erlen's just sitting over there. Whatever. Booking his trip to Africa. And that's the thing. He just lets her leave after the first time. So she gets donated to the draft because her mother is terrible and I hate her and she's the worst person in the world. To be fair. Not to be fair. To be unfair. The stepmother signs her up for the draft because the younger sister is in quarantine. She's dying from this plague. And the stepmother thinks that Cinder is the reason that she got it, which, I mean, she kind of definitely was. But it wasn't intentional or whatever. She just happened to be at the junkyard with her. Which is what we were supposed to say earlier. It was like, hey, Pina came along to the junkyard and got the plague. But I have no idea what I got distracted by. But yeah, so that happened. And then her mom was like, yeah, you're going to go for the side cyborg draft so they're gonna murder you with a plague yeah because they call her a volunteer and they're like oh we haven't had a volunteer for a draft in a while and she's like i am not a volunteer i did not volunteer and they're like oh but your guardian signed the thing so you're a volunteer and i just wanted to throw everything at them i only had a book in my hands it's not a hardback you have a soft back cover so i couldn't really throw and cause damage but i was very angry but yeah the stepmother signs her up assuming because she surprised does not die but if she had been human if she had been normal she would have been dead she was signing a death certificate for some money and a little bit to be mean because her daughter also was dying i don't know it's a very complicated super not complicated thing happening the mother is terrible because she treats her like a servant always even though she has an android who does servant things Aiko is amazing i love Aiko. I love everything about Aiko. There's also a whole bunch of mini stories that they end up putting into one book. That's just a story about an android. And I thought it was Aiko's story. And it's not because it's a little mermaid. And that's not what happens with Aiko. But they have little personalities. They're so cute. These little androids. I love Aiko so much. I don't know if it was like Wally and it's, oh, glitch. But whatever it is, I love it. Anyway, so she's in this draft and that's how he gets part of her blood. He's like, oh my gosh. And mentally, he's like, this is totally her. And so he gets her in the room and he's like, hey, you're immune to the plague, which is the first thing he tells her. This is one of three reveals that he has. Yeah, he's got some good reveals. And so he's like, hey, you're immune to the plague. And she's like, excuse me? 
what? The plague that is literally killing everyone on Earth? What do you mean? And he's like, um, so, yeah, you're immune to the plague, so we're gonna get blood from you, and da 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 Is that when he's like, hey, she's lunar? No. That's the second time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like halfway through the book. A couple days later, because she comes back every day for a couple of days. But he lets her leave. That's what gets me. I have finally found the heir. Let her go. Well, she has to go back because she has no money, nowhere to go. She has to go back to the stepmother's house. No, she doesn't. All he had to do was sign a death thing and be like, hey, yeah, she totally died while in the plague, whatever. And then they were giving her money separately from the mother. And so they have money that they could have set her up in her own apartment near the castle or something. He could have done something, but he's just like, nah, leave. Maybe come back. I don't know. And so all these terrible things happen to her because he's like, yes, leave. Something could have happened. She could have been murdered on the street randomly on a random act of violence and you would never know. And it's just, ah. Man, I think I just never thought about that. This man. Maximum drama. I just assumed the two options were, hey, you're stuck at the lab and have to live here and be a cyborg hostage or you have to go back to your stepmother. No, he had options. He had money. He did have options. Where the heck does he live? I assumed the lab. He lives in the lab. He's a teacher. He lives at school. Oh my gosh. But even if he was like, yeah, we're keeping you hostage here. While he figured out for sure that it was her. Yeah, because that would not have taken more than a day, if that. Because that's all it took. It was a day. It might be two days, but still. Or until he tells her. These people have terrible plans. These adults are very irresponsible. Good thing the 16-year-old is here to set everything straight. Oh my gosh. This is a YA. If the adults were competent, the teenagers wouldn't need to do stuff. She's literally the chosen one, guys. I know that happens a lot in YA, but she literally is. Everything. She's a cyborg. She's a lunar. She's a princess. She's a mechanic. They keep going back to that, and it is funny because it's like, oh, I'm greasy because I'm a mechanic. But that is your whole personality, girl, and you have so much else going on. But I kind of love that. It's like, I am cyborg. I am a lunar. I am a princess. I am a mechanic. It's more her identity than any of the other things. Well, good. We need more women in STEM. Let's do this. I'm for it. My favorite character ever is Violet from the series of Unfortunate Events. Let's go. Inventors. Dr. Erland. Everything about him. Because he also is lunar, but they go a little bit crazy when they don't use their gift. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe he really is going crazy and he's like, yes, let's do this like this. And he's also older, too. He would have been for grandpa's age kind of thing. He's the head of an entire research facility for the royal family. I think he's competent. So, yeah. She leaves and she's like, wow, I'm immune to this stuff. And then she comes back and he's like, oh yeah, and you're also lunar. And she's like, whoa, that's crazy. And then at the end of the book, he's like, oh, and by the way, you're also the princess. And she's like, excuse me? This could have all been in an email. This could have happened the first day. Tell me all the information please. And the reason she left so early is because Prince Kai comes in and is like, hey, I know you because he gave her Android in her market stall. By the way, the meat cute is very cute. I actually liked it a lot. Because <laughs> they're so cute. Okay. They might be my favorite couple, but they might be my second favorite couple of this whole series. They are very cute. 
cute. I really do like slow burns and stuff, but there's also a niceness of, oh my gosh, I like a boy. Holy crap, the boy likes me. Just immediately being honest and being like, hey, I find you very charming and handsome versus being like, I hate you because you're handsome, which I am so tired of. Yeah. I am exhausted. Y'all writers can do better than that. Oh my gosh. Enemies to lover is not, I am annoyed because I am attracted to you. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Ah. Anyway. It's just also so cute because everybody's a member of his fan club, except for Cinder. But she secretly is. Secretly is, but because her stepsisters are super, super fans. Yeah. Which, there were several choices that this author made that I was surprised about. Because I keep talking about, oh, I totally called XYZ. I did not call that Peony was going to die. She had the plague. You thought she was going to live? She literally had the vaccine in her hand. She could have lived. Was about to give it to her. Peony was alive when she showed up and right before she gives the vaccine, Peony dies. Literally in her hand, trying to put it to her mouth. Ugh, it was gut-wrenching. I was not expecting that. I will say that I was expecting different. I was expecting her to live, obviously, but no, that does not happen. Well, and they set it up that she would live, though, because Cinder talks to Dr. Airland and she's like, hey, since I'm immune, like, if you find a vaccine, let her be the first person. And he says, well, I can't because, you know, the Emperor Kai's dad is dying of the plague. But she can be number two, which is cool. And then the Emperor dies. Surprise. Which, Cinder, I don't know. She has no social cues going on at all. She doesn't say, hey, sorry, your dad's dead or anything. She realizes later, every time she talks with Kai, she's like, man, I should have said something else. And I think that is so real. It's very 16-year-old girl. Yeah. Because she's got a lot going on, to be fair. But she's so wrapped up in herself. She doesn't her boyfriend, or well, not boyfriend, but her love interest own trauma happening. It's a lot. But they set um, it up that Peony will live because they're like, hey, I can get the vaccine second. Sweet. And then if they get a antidote, a vaccine, a single vial. From the Lunar Queen who suspiciously suddenly has it now that the Emperor is dead. They've been dealing with this plague for several years now, it seems. But um, she's going to pull out a vial and be like, oh, we just so happen to have a cure. And if you need it to be, you know, totally mass produced so you can save everyone, we can just so happen to accommodate you. Mm. Really? Interesting. Well, the fact that it was the correct portion for one adult male. Are you kidding me? That line? Oh, she knew what she was doing. She's playing the long game. The worst. Yes, she is playing the long game. But she has this single vial and Dr. Erland gets it and Cinder's there for something. I don't even remember at this point. But Dr. Erland's like, how old is she? Because Cinder's like, oh my gosh, she's about to die. She just reached the fourth stage. And so he's like, well, how old is she? And she's like, oh, she's 14. And so the doctor doctor takes some of the vaccine and is like, hey, this is a dose for a 14-year-old. This should work for her. And so they have a little bit left that they can research. And so she runs out of the place, goes to Peony. Like I said, she's awake when she gets there, barely hanging on, but she's literally about to pour it into her throat and Peony dies. Oh, that was such a hard moment. And I know it's coming because I've read and reread this one. And it's still, it's gut-wrenching. I am so sad. But it's like the Hunger Games. They were willing
willing to kill any and everybody in the last book and it's too much. Have we hit the line? Should we have done this? Yes. But anyway, so while she's there, okay, this doesn't get brought up and I feel like it's probably going to get brought up in other books, but while there, Cinder notices, not with the peony, she's there to visit her once before and the baker lady dies because there's a baker lady in her stall and yeah, she was mean, but she dies and so Cinder sees that. Wow, that's crazy. And then a med robot comes up and everyone has ID chips because the future and they take her ID chip out and Cinder's like wow that's really weird and so she brings it up to Dr. Erland and Dr. Erland's like hmm weird ID chips are really in high demand on the black market and no one does anything about it because the med bots are specifically like I am programmed to do this why is the government run facility in cahoots with the black market I think someone reprogrammed them exactly she's like hey this happened and Dr. Erland's like oh yeah ID chips gets taken to the black market all the time well we're gonna drop that plot line for now probably but why is this not a bigger concern I'm really concerned because it's supposedly weird that ID chips are in high demand right now supposedly there should be more supply than demand why do I have the feeling lunar subjects are invading the earth and then they're gonna take over in war that's where my mind went and then they're just like nope we're just gonna drop this plot point it does get brought up again later but it's the good lunars that are fleeing lunar so they are just doing it in mass droves oh maybe that's why dr erland's like not gonna talk about this because i feel like maybe he reprogrammed them then I'm not sure if it's him, it's Lunars that are doing it though, because you can't exist in this world if you don't have an ID chip. And I guess they can't make them, so they have to steal them. Yeah, that's a good question there, but it makes me wonder if Dr. Erland was involved in that, because he escaped from Lunar. He's a refugee. Yeah, secret one, guys. Cinder has no idea that any Lunars are on the Earth. Because apparently harboring Lunars is a, we can go to war about this offense. So no one knows about it, but all these Lunars are escaping because she's crazy and the worst person ever and definitely a narcissist. It's not even she's full of herself and playing around with Earthy and she murders everyone. Not just other people related to her because she murders a bunch of people so she can be on the throne and stay on the throne. Although that's given her a little bit of a problem because she doesn't have an heir. She's getting married. Ew, she's <laughs> old. This is a 19 year old. Ew. Yeah, she's at best 40, but she's up there. Okay, they don't give her an age. Okay, what is her hair color? Because every time she's just Described, her hair color is a different color. It starts off black and then it's auburn and then at the ball it's brunette. Is she changing her hair color? Is that a thing that she does? So lunars or the gifted ones that aren't shells and stuff have glamours is what the author calls it where they can change their appearance. So her hair is changing. I'm not crazy. Yeah. She mostly consistently keeps it black because she she wants to look like basically just picture Snow White. But the evil queen. Hair as black as ebony, skin as white as snow, because she's also pale. Lips as red as, oh, I don't know. If, they don't mention her lips ever, so I don't know if she has red lips, but vibes. Yeah, that's the vibe. Because all the Lunar Chronicles books are different fairy tales. So you get Little Red Riding Hood, you get Rapunzel, you get 
Snow White, obviously Cinderella. And so they all kind of play into that. And we meet Rapunzel. Her name is Cress, briefly. Cress is my favorite. Ugh. I go back and forth between her and Cinder, but I think it's Cress. She's just so cute. Her book is my favorite. It's the third one. Good to know, because you've already ruined that you hate the second one. Little Red Riding Hood, are you kidding me? Come on. It has its merits and whatever, but if I had to pick one as a skip, which I do every now and then when I redo the series, I'll just skip Scarlet, which is the second book. It's Scarlet. I don't vibe with it immediately. The audiobook is fun, though, because they're in France, sort of, so she's got a French accent. Yeah, looking over the names and stuff, Scarlet's the only one that doesn't get mentioned in this book, because you have Cress, because there's a moment where Cress is like, oh my gosh, you need to tell the king about her evil plan, and that's why she goes to the ball. And then you get Winter mentioned that she's a lunar princess, and she's Lavana's stepdaughter. Yeah, but she can never rule, because she's not of the royal blood. So she's not a threat, so she doesn't get murdered. But you've either met them, or you understand who they are. Scarlet's the new character. Yeah, I don't know if they mention Scarlet's grandma in this one or not, Michelle Benoit. Oh, yep, she's an ex-military pilot. Yeah, Scarlet's her granddaughter. So I don't know if Scarlet is mentioned in this, not by name or not. Yeah, it looks like Michelle helped Cinder. Okay, so Cinder escaped from Lunar, and then, thanks to a Lunar doctor, and then Michelle was involved in keeping her safe. She housed her for a little bit, and the book ends where Lavina is like, hey, I'm sending people to try to track down this Michelle person and kill her. So I'm guessing with Scarlet, stuff goes down around that. At this point, I couldn't tell you if she was successful or not based on the tone of the book, because I swear, sometimes the author is like, let's make this crazier. Because <laughs> I was not expecting, hey, you're going to go be a plague victim. And I was like, oh my gosh, how in the world is she going to get out of that? And it's like, oh, she's immune to it. And I'm like, oh, this was not how I was expecting this to go. Because it ends the first section. It's like, hey, go be a plague victim. Dead now. This was not in my version of Cinderella. It does so many things well, while staying true to the fairy tale, while also still doing whatever it wants with this YA dystopian genre. And it's futuristic, sci-fi. So much happens in this book that it's all of my favorite things. This is my book. I love it. But you still have the main plot points. You have a girl who's abused by her step-parents, and you have a mean stepsister, and you have a prince that she falls in love with, and you have, oh my gosh, the tearing of the dress, because that's what it is. It's like, oh, Cinderella has a beautiful dress that she's made. And okay, in the beginning of the book, Cinder gets Aiko to find her a new leg because the one she's had is the one she's had since she was like 11. And she's 16 now. She's way bigger than that. So she gets a new leg. And it's like, yay, good, you need that. And the tearing of the dress is Adri steals her freaking leg. You still have to do everything. Figure it out. Hobble around. Are you kidding me? She's the one paying your bills. If you could give her like minimum comfort standard, she could probably continue to do a much better job at her job. I just, ugh, she's so mean and short-sighted. I hate her. I can't even respect her for, okay, you're evil. Like, Lavina, I have a healthy amount of respect, even though I'm like, your plan to become Empress is dumb. But everything else, I have a healthy amount of respect for how evil you are. I do not feel the same way about Adri. Yeah, because her ambitions are so petty. I don't know. I think because Lavana tries to do the whole conquering the world thing, I feel like at least it's, oh, okay, you're terrible, you're evil, but you have goals. Audrey literally is, eh, I kind of want my daughter to be married. I don't want to work. I want to be a housewife with a dead husband. I feel like even Disney Cinderella, healthy respect. She's kind of terrible, but the way she does it is 
I don't know. There's something about it. There's an intelligence there, but I didn't feel that about Audrey. I felt like Audrey just reacted to everything and was just like, how can I be as mean as possible to this person? Well, and it's brought up multiple times that Audrey blames Cinder for her husband, Gareth, dying and adopting Cinder, which Cinder has no control over this. She was 11 when she was adopted and he died. Doesn't even remember any of it. Anything before that. That's why she's like, oh my gosh, I'm the princess, has no idea of anything before then. Is told like a kind of story like, oh, I was in a car crash and then it was so bad I had to get all these parts and my parents died. That's all she knows. Yeah, it was read to her or something. It was told to her. She doesn't actually remember, remember it happened. Yeah. But yeah, he just finds this child, makes her cyborg. I'm pretty sure he must have known she was the princess. He did. Okay, I was like, there's no way he didn't. So he adopts him and brings her home and then he dies shortly after that. But Audrey doesn't know because I think if she knew Cinder was worth something, she might have treated her better. Not 100%, but like 80% better maybe. I don't know. I think if she knew that she was Lunar, she would have cast her out immediately, princess or not. I think the dude was smart to not tell her anything. But brah, you should have married better. Yeah. If you can't trust your wife, what is the point? Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Apparently I knew she was the lost heir ever since Kai was like, we need to find a lost heir. I was like, it's Cinder. Cinder. That was before I knew she was Lunar. And then I was like, hey, she's Lunar. I was like, is Cinder. Yeah. If they didn't do the reveal at the end, because other characters at some point think that it's Scarlet, Michelle, the grandma, was a pilot. She did all the stuff. Clearly, she was in cahoots to get the princess here. And she's about Cinder's age. I kind of wish they would have waited to tell us. I know if you only read the one book, you want the closure and you want to kind of know. And then it does that little bit of a cliffhanger to get you to read more of the series. But I kind of wish they'd played around with it a little bit better. Well, it just sounds like they shouldn't have belabored the, oh, is it Scarlet point when it's like, no, it's Cinder. Yeah. That's not exactly good dramatic irony where you're just like bashing your head against the wall. Oh my gosh, it's Scarlet. No, it's Cinder. It's Scarlet. It's Cinder. It's Scarlet. It's Cinder. Yeah, it's this problem whenever the reader knows something that some of the characters don't. There are a couple funny moments through the series with this specific confusion. Cinder don't tell nobody. I mean, I don't blame her. (laughs) I wish they'd waited just a little bit. But also, why would Cinder have left or actually kept running or done anything if the doctor didn't tell her? Yeah. Trying to think if there's any other major scenes before the ball that we haven't talked about. Oh, the mirror. Okay, so brief rundown. Glamour, blah, blah, blah. We're hypnotizing people. Well, you can't do it through a mirror because apparently they're a basilisk and they can't do it through a net screen. The net screen makes sense. I guess the mirror does as well. But at the same time, if you really think about it, glamour would distort the light particles or how your brain perceives them. I'm not 100% sure how the magic works. Anyway, if you look at them through a mirror or if you look at them through a net screen, they can't use their glamour. And so she either always has a veil on and she's like, hey, no mirrors are allowed anywhere near me. So as soon as the emperor dies, Queen Lavina's like, hey, I'm coming to Earth. And Prince Kai is like, could you not? And she's like, no. I'm on my way, sweetie. Don't worry. So she just shows up. But now he has to host somebody at his house, the palace. He has to host somebody and be a dignitary liaison and all of this. And my dad just died. I'm about to be emperor. Cool, and you can marry me. He's like, mmm. Hard pass. Thank you. So they're having dinner and whatever. Apparently 
they do covered dishes and they remove the dish top because, you know, maximum drama. Maximum drama. So she lifts her and instead of there being food, there's a mirror. And so she starts freaking out because how dare they? That is such a blah, 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 blah. And so she starts blaming the servant. Lavina's right hand woman, Sybil, is like, hey, let's make her murder herself with a knife right there. And Kai was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not cool. Um, I'm going to pretend that I did it so you could not. They're like, okay, we're going to be like, okay, fine, whatever. And then she leaves. And then pretty quickly, they figure out that the mirror is lunar because there's a special whatever that makes it shiny. They have the special type of tinfoil that they put in everything. And so they're like, holy crap, this mirror is lunar. And she planted this mirror there. That's like a power play. It's so good. It's so evil. It's so good. She's one of the best villains in probably all time. I gotta respect a villain that can get what they want. Oh, yeah. So that scene happens. Anyway, so at some point in the very beginning, like we said, the prince gives her an android and is like, hey, you need to fix this. And she's like, okay. And so she fixes it and it's in process of being like, hey, Princess Celine, da 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 And so that's how Cinder gets caught up that that's what the prince is searching for. Well, the reason it was bugging out is it had this direct comm chip because there's the internet but it's direct com versus net space. There's one that directly links you to them. Well, it's a private chat also. It's not easily hackable like the net space screen stuff is. So it's a big deal because only government officials have these, basically. And so she has one and then it has that special tinfoil that all the lunars use on everything. And so they're like, oh my gosh, it's a lunar chip. Well, who does it go to? Cinder has a net screen hooked up to it is trying to call this person and, and nothing happens until near the end where it very conveniently goes through. And that's how you meet Cress. Hello, Cress. Through a lot of crying. She's like, hey, so what happened was, and she reveals, hey, Lavina's just trying to marry you. And because she's making it seem like for peace, I'll marry you and we'll have an alliance and there will be peace between the two of us. No, she's planning to marry you and then immediately murder you and then fight the rest of the world. And Chris is like, oh my gosh, you need to tell somebody in the palace right away. And so Cinder taking it upon herself is like, then I must do it. And so she grabs Peony's old dress, which it shouldn't fit I feel like but we're gonna skip over that it totally fits Cinder it's fine and so she grabs her 11 year old leg and puts that on and is doing her best to make it to the ball and I totally thought we were going to have a bippity boppity boo moment where she was gonna run into Dr. Erlen and Dr. Erlen was gonna be like "Ooh, honey Let's fix this. Yeah, the fairy godmother aspect doesn't quite hit the same as the Cinderella adaptation. Because it happens after the ball. Yeah. She does get the dress that she didn't have to make, but because Aiko is kind of like the mice saving the dress or fixing up the dress for her. So that kind of is there a little bit. I will say she's been redoing a car this entire time. A gas car because they have hover cars now. I'm in green energy and whatever. But the car is orange. It's a pumpkin, guys. So she's taking this gas car to go to the palace in a stained dress, and then she has these gloves that he gave her, but Pearl destroyed, and so they're stained with grease, and then she has this leg that barely works because it's an 11-year-old leg, and her makeup and hair, she has no time to do it. She's just running out of the house, basically, but then she gets stuck in turbulent rain, so she's absolutely drenched. And then my favorite scene in this whole book 
Bank happens, and the guy at the top of the stairs announces her as the Emperor's special guest. Which he starts with being suspicious because she's just hiding behind a pillar. She's not going into the dance room. She's just hiding behind this pillar. And he walks up to her and he's like, are you supposed to be here? Basically. And Cinder is like, oh no, he's going to find out I'm not supposed to be here. And I'm like, honey, the prince has asked you to the dance like four times now and has been like, well, if you change your mind, you'll be my special guest. Of course you're on the list, girl. But yeah. And so he's like, oh my gosh, you're the special guest. I must announce you. And she's like, wait, what? Stop it. I'm here incognito. He announces her and she has to step in front of everyone in that horrible outfit. And what's even worse is while she was behind the pillar, because she was behind the pillar, because Lavina was dancing with Kai. And then apparently Lavina left. Whatever. Okay, fine. And so he's walking off and then Pearl grabs him because Pearl was like, I'm going to tell him that you're a cyborg because he doesn't know you're a cyborg. And what I'm betting happened in that conversation, because you find out at the end that he knows that Peony died and he doesn't seem to know she's a cyborg. I'm betting that conversation was literally just, hey, when we met before and I was super rude to Cinder and now you hate me. See, that was because my little sister died and she was doing so much time being like, hey, don't be mad at me. My sister died that she didn't have a chance to be like, oh, and by the way, Cinder's a cyborg. Oh yeah, that's probably something close to what she said. Because you know, if she had the chance, if she had enough time, she definitely would would have told. Oh, for sure. Or maybe he noticed she said, oh, hey, this is my name, like the Lynn Pearl. And he's like, hey, I hate you. And she's like, no, please don't hate me. My sister's dead. Dance with me. So yeah, that happens. So she has to, in front of everybody, this whole scene, the secondhand cringe. Favorite scene. It's so uncomfortable. It is. So she goes up and is talking to him and is like, hey, I need to talk to you. And so Kai does his best here and is like, hey, everybody, stop staring at her, please. And he's like, hey, everybody dance. And they're like, okay, let's dance. Because freaking Adri, Cinder comes out and is about to approach Kai and Adri steps up and is like, you need to leave. And almost freaking slaps her in front of everybody. Which is ridiculous. Adri, you're an idiot. Because until this point, I don't think she physically hurts Cinder. No. Neglect, for sure. But she has not physically attacked or struck Cinder. I mean, it was a weird moment anyways. Yeah, she definitely had the emotional abuse, neglect, and making her a servant. But the fact that you chose to try to smack her in such a public place, I felt really weird. Yeah, especially after she was just announced as the Emperor's special guest. A smart conniving person would be like, oh, that's my key. Because she wants Pearl to marry Rich. But if she was really smart, she'd be like, oh, Cinder's my key to the prince. We're there. We're close enough. We can get Pearl married off to a dignitary. It's fine. No. She's going to make a fool of herself. Because she does. And then Kai comes up, grabs her hand before she smacks her and is like, hey, let's not. And then Adri seems to piece together, wait a second. You're just embarrassing yourself, honestly. Yeah, and it happens in a lot of Cinderella retelling. Because I just finished this stupid one that's supposed to be kind of like the selection. I don't know. Why would you try to force your daughter to be with the prince when there's clearly some kind of love or physical connection happening between Cinderella and the prince. Why do you think that's going to work? In this scene, even if she was going to be like, hey, I still want Pearl to marry her. Special guest. That is your in. This is how you smooth with the prince. You have a child, quote unquote, stepdaughter who is tight with the prince. 
make it work. But no, there's just so much hatred coming from Audrey and Pearl, too, because that's what she sees and what she knows. But TNA wasn't like that. It's a learned behavior that you chose to do. Yeah. So they dance and Cinder's like, hey, this is the plan. And then they're about to sneak off and go to the garden and be like, hey, let's talk about this. And so I thought this was so this is love moment, but not. This is where the author was like. Every chapter in will be a cliffhanger for like eight chapters in a row because they're about to go in the garden and discuss it more. And then the freaking advisor is like, hey, it's time to make the announcement that you're going to marry Lavina in front of everyone. And then they're like, no, I can't do this. And Kai's like, no, I'm still going to announce the betrothal. And Cinder's like, no, and kisses him. You can't marry her because you're in love with me. And then freaking Lavina shows up and is like, hey, guess what? Polly is totally fine on Lunar. Also, she says it so loud and uncomfortably. Cinder. Oh, the secondhand embarrassment. You're in love with someone else. Oh, girl. Do you not know anything about your history? She does not, guys. She doesn't know anything about the lunar. And then Lavina's like, hey, also, you're harboring a stowaway. She's a lunar. And freaking Audrey faints at this point. <laughs> I just put good stay down. <laughs> I hate her. Well, and Lavina clearly at this point knows who Cinder is. Oh, for sure. This isn't just any lunar and she's being a butt about it. She immediately knows who this is. Yeah. So. So you have to choose either we go to war and you keep her or you give her to us and you don't go to war. And so Kai is like, well, I can't war with you. So I guess you get Cinder. And Cinder's like, fair. She's not mad about it. And all I could think was literally to be an attendant at this ball with how much drama is happening. I mean, it have horrifying ramifications, but the immediate tea of all of this going down. But anyway, so then he refuses to marry her. But Cinder's a prisoner. Yeah. Cinder takes the moment to be like, oh, I'm about to be captured. Lady, you're ugly. Because <laughs> her eyes, for some reason, are seeing past the glamour. And so she's seeing the actual face of Lavina. And she just blurts out, wow, you're ugly. You're really not beautiful or something like that. And all I could think of was, girl, broadcast, hit play. Can she do that? Can she hit play? Can she record this? Broadcast it. I don't know. She's cyborg. She's connected to the net space through her eyeballs. There has to be a record button. Anyway, I wanted her to broadcast that face. But that's beside the point. So Lavina freaking uses her magic to have Cinder use a gun and put it to her head. Maybe I shouldn't have just put mentioned because I guess this is more than mentioned with the suicide. It doesn't happen, but goodness. And she's going to have her blow her brains out. But at the last second, Cinder's able to resist. And instead of shooting herself, she shoots a chandelier and then tries to shoot the queen. Yeah, it does not go well for her. And when it doesn't go well, she decides to make a mad dash for it. And she runs out into the garden and then her freaking leg falls off because maximum drama. <laughs> that is one of my favorite moments. She loses her foot. And she freaks out not only the Lunars, but also Kai and his advisor. Everyone's just like, what the heck just happened? Poor Kai does not know that his crush, his little girlfriend, is Lunar, first of all, huge bombshell, or Cyborg. She's told him nothing about herself. See, I wonder if he had an inkling and he was like, hmm, but he wasn't confirmed, confirmed. Kai is and an idiot, a sweet 
sweet, blessed, so cute little idiot. Yeah, she just loses a leg. And then he's like, oh, and also she's lunar. And so he's like, was this all a lie? And I'm like, oh no, my heart. I know. He's like, I can't trust my feelings because you're lunar. And she's like, no. And she wants to explain, but how the heck do you explain? No, it wasn't a lie because I wasn't able to use my magic until recently after I fell in love with you and vice versa. Anyway, so they hand her over as a prisoner and that's the leg thing. That's the shoe. There is no mystery about who it came from. Ah, and there is no red heel. I'm pretty sure she's actually wearing her mechanic boots now that I think about it. I am just wondering now, when he brings the new foot, does it have a shoe on it? She walking around barefoot. Do they give her back the foot or do they keep the foot? They keep the foot. I guess she's half barefoot. I guess you're right, because they don't mention a shoe, because they was like, oh, if I had more time, I could have skin grafted it. But I guess it doesn't take much time to shove it in a, a shoe. Hmm. Questions. Crap. There's your question for the author a little early. I know eventually Kai ends up with a foot, but in the jail cell, does she get to keep her 11-year-old foot? No, because I think I remember she doesn't, because she sits down on the wall and she only has one leg. Mm, okay, well then Kai definitely keeps it. Spoiler, she's got it. So this is when Dr. Erlen shows up. She's a prisoner. Dr. Erlen shows up and pulls a Jedi mind trick and is like, you will walk away from this door. And the guard is like, I will walk away from this door. But the guard's like, hey, without express permission from the Emperor, you can't see her. And so Dr. Erlen's like, oh yeah, totally. So I went and got it immediately. He turns around and he's like, so here it is. And the guard's like, oh, okay, good. And he's like, you don't want to stand near this door. He's like, I don't want to stand near this door. And so the guard walks off. And it just makes me wonder what Dr. Erlen does differently than Cinder to camouflage his lunarness. Did Lavina just be like, oh, that's the princess and that's how I know she's lunar? Because Dr. Erlen is just walking around no one's saying anything. Long short story. They have bioelectric energy. Cinder eventually, surprise, learns how to use her gift. It takes her forever though. She is bad at being lunar. But they can kind of feel it and shells give off nothing and humans are palpable. They can kind of feel humans. And part two, Cinder kind of looks like her mom, the dead queen. So it's because she knew she was the princess. Yeah, she knew she was the princess. Okay, so that makes sense. Because everyone's immediately like, <gasps> Lunar for Cinder. But like I said, Dr. Erlen's just walking around. He's in the palace while Lavina's there. He's not worried about getting caught. Well, he's also not using his abilities so other people aren't really hyper aware. He's also hidden in a basement thing. He's not out and about. He hides and he tells Cinder to hide as soon as he knows that Lavina is going to be there. He's fine when Sybil's there because he's like, she's not going to come to this dusty basement. I mean, it's a high-tech facility. Somewhere in the palace that requires an elevator. Which, screw the word that she has to use for her right-hand people, their mages or whatever. Thaumaturgy? Thaumaturgy? Thaumaturge. Oh my, screw that. Yeah, no, I hate it. Even with the audiobook, I'm like, mm, trash. Don't know. No, this is a dyslexic nightmare. Dislike. Mine is 0.5 stars. Is that a real word? Yes, it's a real word. Okay, because it's, it's a dumb one. I just assumed it was a made-up lunar title. Did not Google this the hundreds of times I've read this book. First of all, it's a D&D spell. Here, let me get the exact definition. Thaumaturgy is the purported capability of a magician to work magic or other paranormal events or a saint to perform miracles. It is sometimes translated into English as wonder working. A practitioner of thaumaturgy is a thaumaturge, thaumaturgist, thaumaturgus, miracle worker, or wonder worker. 
worker. So basically, it's magician. Could have said magician. No. It is a fancy word, but no, I hate it. Because they use it, the thaumaturge Sybil, who's the main one. There are others through the series. Which apparently she's Mother Gothel for Cress. Because Cress is like, no, my terrible abuser, Sybil. Yeah, because Cinder's like, oh, the queen? And she's like, no, I don't care about the queen. It's Sybil. Sybil is my captor. Which makes me wonder if the mirror idea was actually Sybil's. Oh, she's so diabolical. She's also a good villain. They have some good villains in this. I'm not gonna lie. But at the end, we get our fairy godmother moment where he's like, hey, here's a really state-of-the-art arm and leg that does like a thousand other things. It's a knife. It's a screwdriver. It's a wrench. It's, you know, one of those. And he's like, oh, I wish I could have got its skin graft. And I was like, this is a scam. (laughs) This is not Cinderella. This is not my moment. What is the cover? The cover is a lie. Absolute lie. She never gets skin grafted. She doesn't get red high heels. I'm going to hold on to this little fact. I'm bitter. I love the fairy godmother moment. That's such a great moment. It's my favorite. She's kind of jipped out of one because she also doesn't have Aiko actually there because Aiko gets destroyed by Audrey because she's terrible. Scrap metal. So the only thing left of her is her faulty personality chip. Quote unquote faulty. She's wonderful. No, I know. So, of course, Cinder takes that with her. She also has stolen Peony's ID chip from the quarantines, which is a gross moment. She cuts into her little sister's dead arm. It's worse when she does it to herself. Yeah. Twice. But she starts it, and then Chris is like, hey, I'm here. And then they start talking, and then at the end in the jail cell, she's like, oh, my hand can be a knife. And then she removes the ID chip, and is like, mm, there is some lovely medical gore. A fugitive on the run. She should probably not have one. It's true. But this is another point where Dr. Erlen's like, hey, you are really important, and you need to escape from here. Otherwise, all is lost. So I'm going to Africa. Good luck with your jailbreak. Maybe you'll see me there. It's not like Africa is a gigantic continent. I mean, granted, he's he's like, hey, I'm going to track down where the plague started in this random city. And so I was like, okay, yeah. But he's just like, yeah, go meet me in Africa. Good luck. Get there. Bye. She definitely could have also stayed because he knows how to use his lunar gift and walked her straight out the door. I know they would have had to walk fast. Or he could at least be like, hey, meet me in this part of the city. Jailbreak, meet me here. We'll go to Africa. No. He's like, bye. Get to Africa somehow. Bye. And he says something about like, oh, when it's convenient for you or some kind of stupid one-off Line. Sir, you're not good at your cause. He searched for her for years with the cyborg draft. You got her. She's in your grasp. Let's mm, see how this plays out. It would be a shame if something were to happen to her. Now to go about making sure I give her no support or help. I mean, to be fair, he would definitely have ruined the vibes of the rest of the series because he's way too old for all of the characters that eventually come into Cinder's life. Once again, this is a YA. If the adults were competent, the teenagers wouldn't need to do anything. Even the Earth and the other leaders. Everybody is an adult. Kai is the youngest by far, by a lot. But it's still a teenager. He's still 19. Yeah. He's technically an adult. But how are none of them coming up with better solutions? How have they not done more that everything rests on this kid getting married? Because this is a Nickelodeon movie. <laughs> Can't can't have competent adults here. Anyway, I think that's the whole book. The most interesting scenes. General thoughts. I am going to give this the very, very rare. I think this book could have had more pages and I would not have been mad at all. I think this book, the story, 
all this stuff had more in it. And so if she had like 100 extra pages, I wouldn't be mad. Girl, she has six more books. Yeah, but I'm talking about this book specifically. I'm very glad it is a series. It deserves that. It's worth it. I read so many fantasy books, though. And I'm sure any podcast listener could make a drinking game of it. But there's so many books where it's like, oh, it's a 600 page book, but only a 300 page story. No. This book deserves all of its pages plus some. Well, and in the rest of the series, Cinder does still get a story because I know the other ones are named after the other girls, but Cinder still is the main character in this series. Oh, interesting. I thought it went to all four of them and it's like, hey, this is Scarlet's backstory and Cress's backstory and Winter's backstory. And then they come back together or something. It interweaves. It is a lot of Scarlet in the next one, but Cinder, I think, opens the book up. It's back and forth between the girls. Interesting. Yeah, no, you get to fully know Cinder's story because she's the chosen one, guys. I love it. Please read this book. Thank you. No critiques, except for maybe a better fairy godmother moment. Except for all the critiques we already gave it. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's fine. It's just flawless. Don't care. Worth looking past them. Yes. Which I think is rarer than flawless. One question for the author. Can you think of one beside the shoe one that we're now both curious about? Well, and a lot of times the author doesn't get to pick the cover completely. Although I will say your book had interviews with her in the back of the book. And she was like, they sent me the draft. And I was like, oh my goodness, I love it. And she's like, of course, I don't have a big view. But she's like, I think my publishers would have changed it if I made a big stink about it. And I was like, that's probably fair. Think is a very good place to be with traditional publishing. But she loved the cover. So she didn't make it, but she loved it. It's a good cover. I will give it that. It's hard to have questions because I've read the rest of the series and the few Cinder questions I have kind of get discussed at some point. I can tell you where the story idea began. Oh, yeah? In lieu of your question, if you want. Fair enough. Go ahead. Apparently, she was writing a short story. It was your Puss in Boots retelling, but robots. Hmm. And she was like, hey, this is fun. I should do this for realsies. And that is how retelling of fairy tales, but robots began. Hmm. Well, there, in lieu of your question, I'll answer somebody else's, I'm sure. My question would be, okay, not surprising. I have questions about changing the godmother moment to after the ball. And probably was just more convenient to do. I just have questions where in the plotting, the outlining process, because I'm sure she was like, hey, here are the main points of Cinderella that I definitely have to include. So where in it was she was like, okay, godmother moment after the ball. Unless she was thinking, because I always thought that Aiko was supposed to be the helpful mice from the Disney version. The thing that kept her company that everyone was like, oh, they're terrible. And But she's like, no, Aiko's amazing. Well, and they do the thing with the dress and the shoes. They put the bows on the dress, the mice and the birds. And the, gets the beaded necklace. Yeah. So I just assumed that Aiko was supposed to be like a mice, but if she's supposed to be sort of the fairy godmother-ish, maybe that's what the author was thinking. It doesn't hit as well. See, no, that was the thing. I thought it was like the mice presenting the first dress. Okay, Aiko gave her a peonies dress. I thought it was still that. But yeah, I think it's definitely like, oh, I've given you new limbs. That's more of the godmother moment. So I'm just curious because at some point she had to make that conscious decision. This would be better afterwards. And I'm curious. Yeah, he would not have let her go. I'm sure that's what it came down to. Rating. I'd give this learning you're dating a cyborg out of 10. I know Kai was all like, this is terrible. But I'm more like, I want to know all of the things. I have a lot of questions. I'm very interested right now. 
Um, I'm going to give it a going to the ball, looking like trash, but feeling like a million bucks because your man's there and he loves you for all your flaws. That's what this book is. Ultra specific. It's very specific. That's all my ratings are. I don't know. I think this book has a nice dress. I give the cover a hard time, but the cover is really nice. Yeah, it's more of because of Cinder's inner thoughts and processing and being a lunar. It's messy. It's messy, but it's cute. And it's good. The full thing. Okay, so this is going to be a dumb question for you, but would you read it again? No, I'm never going to read this again. Just kidding. I reread this whole series or listen to it because I do like the audiobooks lately, at least once a year. We're coming up on time for you to read Scarlet again. And then by the time I'm done with this series and you eventually get around to it next year, we'll do Scarlet again. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Hey, you have to pick the book. I could just skip Scarlet this time. And then a couple months from now, when we record Scarlet, I'll just read it then. There's a thought. But yeah, I'd read it again. I really enjoyed it. I want to listen to the audiobook you said the narrator is really good oh she's got a fantastic voice and she does the accents pretty good Kai doesn't sound Asian so I'm kind of glad she doesn't do that but like I said with Scarlet she's French she's got that thicker accent going on yeah overall the series she does a good distinguishing voices thing nice that's always fun read this book again thanks for exploring Cinder with us I'm Sam Reiner and I'm Danielle and we hope to see you and a friend here next time Escape With Me Book Club is a Lunar Skulk production check us out out on TikTok or Instagram to keep up to date with us. Lunar underscore S-K-U-L-K.